Frank Network. Content on this production is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute medical treatment or diagnosis. Seek medical help if you believe that you are suffering from a mental illness or are a threat to yourself or others. By using any or all of the information provided, you do so at your own risk. Any application of the material is at the listener's discretion and is his or her sole responsibility. Hey everybody, Doc Brian here. We live in such an uncertain world. Things literally changing every single day. From healthcare to international policy to things right in your hometown. Our family dynamic. The way we love, the way we show love, the way we care for each other. It's all changing. And it changes so quick that sometimes it feels that we can't keep up. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, my suggestion would be to just take time, take a moment for yourself, focus on the things that you can change and look at the things that you can't and put them away. Hey everybody, Doc Brian here and welcome to Doc Talks. Things uh, in this world, just seem like every day it's something new. Every day things are changing. And today on on this episode, we're going to talk about COVID, but particularly about COVID and elementary school kids. There have been less than uh, right over 900 kids that have died from COVID as of February 2022. And that is a very sad statistic. I wouldn't want anybody to lose a child or, or a loved one for that matter. But it's the world that we live in now. And, and, you know, I've said many times, I just can't wait for things to get back to normal. But what is normal? What is normal anymore? Has COVID shaped us to be something, to be someone that is better? When we think about pre-COVID, I, I'm sure that all of us can see things that we needed to improve on. And I, I myself began to realize that in this time of COVID, that I learned what exactly it was that I needed as opposed to the things that I wanted. And as time rolled on and as we became more and more inept to get the things that we wanted, we learned to live with what we had. There was the, you know, the great toilet paper crisis of of uh, 2019, the beginning of 2020, where people were installing bidets in their in their toilets so that they didn't have to use as much toilet paper, if any at all. And you know, three or four years ago, we would have never even thought about that. That would have been anything that come across our radar. But I do remember when we got back to semi-normal, where we were able to go eat out again, to go to events again, to go to church again, and how so little of something meant so much to us and made us a lot more grateful for the things that we do have. And I think that it's important for us to look at the world around us and to understand those things that are important, those things that we do need in our life. But as I said, I want to focus on covid and school children. What about their mental health in the middle of this pandemic? 
So following along with COVID in school systems, I really wanted a, a professional opinion, if you will. So I have today with me Kelly LaMonica, who is a uh, elementary school counselor here in the state of Arkansas. Kelly, it's good to have you on Doc Talks today. Thank you. It's good to be here. So just out in the gate here, what do you think that you see is the main difference when it comes to mental health or attitudes in our school children post-COVID and now in COVID? Kids are stressed. There's this unknown cloud that goes over our schools in regards to quarantine and what's going to happen. And so the stress level of students due to the unknown and due to their fears and anxieties that are not developmentally appropriate for the babies to be to be under, they're just stressed. And they see the stress of their parents and of their teachers and Teachers are superheroes, and we try really hard to put on a show and act like everything's okay and you're safe, but the kids question that now because they wonder, are they safe? You know, if somebody sneezes now, it is, oh gosh, is are, are they sick? Am I going to get sick? That is the student's mentality, and so as much as we try to, you know, assure them of their safety, it's difficult. Uh, my son had COVID but was completely asymptomatic. You know, he was kind of in denial a little bit about whether he actually had it or not. But I I read a statistic today from the CDC, there have been less than 700 deaths within zero to 18 years old. And the statistic of getting it was one in 100,000 for children in, in the United States. To kind of put that in perspective, if you had 100,000 people in a football stadium, one of the kids is going to leave with COVID. So with that being in mind, do you think that we may kind of be overprotective of some of these precautions and restrictions? But to add to that, in my opinion, when it comes to our kids, there's not really an overprotective that we can we can have. Absolutely. Um, I don't think we're being overprotective because I don't feel like we have had clear data since day one. You know, it, it's been like, okay, well, in the beginning, don't go to Walmart. Well, okay, you can go to Walmart if you wear a mask and wash your hands. And okay, wait, washing your hands isn't enough anymore. And, you know, so our guidance in education has not been consistent. And it's been that way, I know, not just in education, but in all walks of life. And I feel that has fueled anxiety among parents, among teachers, among kids, because we are told that if if we do A, B, and C, we're safe. And then a month later, we're told, wait, we're not safe. If we do A, B, and C, we don't really need to do A, we just do B and C, but add a D. And this is a new virus. Scientists are learning about this and they are, you know, doing, I feel like everyone is doing their best, but the guidance we have gotten is not clear. It's not consistent. And that just fuels more anxiety and in some cases, anger and aggression with families because no one really knows what to do. And with this new variant, it is more contagious, but it is less likely that kids will get incredibly sick. And we have talked to our students about that at school. And that does seem to decrease some of their anxiety because many of them now have had it. Whereas last year, everyone was trying to prevent getting it. 
Now a lot of our students have had it and they realize, okay, well, I felt really bad for a couple of days, but it was okay. It wasn't, I had to go to the hospital and get on a vent. Now, sadly, that does happen in some cases, but I think this new variant being a less aggressive form of COVID has helped to diminish some of those fears because kids are now like, well, my friend had it and they were okay. They missed a few days of school. They felt bad, but they were okay. So I don't think, I don't think we're overreacting. I think we just, no one really knows exactly what to do. And when it comes to the safety of our kids, like you said, we, we want them safe. We just often don't know how in this case. And I mean, we could look at it from the perspective of that maybe due to the safety measures we have in place is why so many kids aren't getting sick to the point of where there would be an issue. Absolutely. So when we when we look at mental health within our students, sometimes it's a little difficult, especially with, with the age in elementary school, to really know if something is a mental health issue or if it's just a kid being a kid. But when it comes to anxiety, have you seen kids that some that have legitimate anxiety, but others who are just kind of going along with the flow that it's not that they're not really anxious, but they're anxious because somebody else is anxious? Absolutely. And we see that more because of COVID. Before COVID, three years ago, if I had a kid that was struggling with anxiety, as a school counselor, I'm considered a short-term interventionist. So if I can't help that baby out within a few sessions, four, six sessions, then I refer them to an actual clinical therapist. Now that area is gray because kids are picking up the anxiety from others and the stress and anxiety has become a part of our life now. It's become a part of our culture. So it's difficult to know when is this a me problem and when is this a someone else problem. And I think as counselors and as teachers, we voice our own insecurities a lot. We voice our own anxieties, which is actually good because it helps the kids to realize, okay, wait, this is not uncommon. Maybe I don't need to go to a doctor. Maybe it's okay to just be a little nervous and then and move on. Whereas three years ago, it wasn't. Kids thought, oh, something's wrong with me. I can't stop being nervous. And now it's like, well, Miss LaMonica gets nervous too. We all get nervous. These are not, they're not uncommon feelings. So it opens up a conversation that the the feeling of stress and anxiety and fear of the unknown does not mean that something is taboo. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It's just part of our society now that we are all kind of living day to day. And because our kids, especially in elementary, they rely so much on structure. COVID has thrown their structure off because they may have a sub. They, The person they normally are buddies with may have to quarantine. And there's just a lot of things that have caused their structure to be interrupted, which anytime structure is interrupted, anytime there's change that we can't prepare for all the time, it causes that feeling of nervousness and that feeling of anxiety. So we try and give As a school counselor, I try really hard to give kids tools in their toolbox to deal with those minor changes. But then we also refer out if a kid is truly struggling with anxiety and it's not just being nervous, just a normal sense of nervous energy. We try and refer out to get that kid 
the extra support that they need. Sure. With children that maybe have lost a grandparent or a parent or whatever loss they have, we know as far as grief counseling, how to help and intervene in those situations. But how has it become different with COVID in the school systems? Well, the loss is much greater. And three years ago, when someone's parent went into the hospital for a minor procedure, the kid didn't think anything of it. They came to school and they, you know, maybe would tell their teacher, hey, my mom went to go have a procedure. She'll be home tonight. Because of the media and just the uncertainty around COVID, majority of our kids they don't have that confidence in the hospital system. So now if their parent goes in for a normal procedure, something that we would think is just, you know, outpatient, minor, no big deal. These babies are hearing hospital and they are worried that their parent won't come back. And that fuels their anxiety because they've seen grandparents from their friends that pass. They've seen parents from their friends that pass. We have students, second graders that have, have lost a mother recently. So they have this fear that my mom went into the hospital to just get a a minor procedure done. Will they come back? Whereas three years ago, they didn't have that. We, our kids and society had a lot of faith in our medical system that, okay, you go in, you come back home, you're fine. The kids are nervous and their brains are not ready to accept all of the finality of death. They play all these games where they die and then they respawn and it's fine. They come back to life. So understanding the finality of death for our six and seven-year-olds is really hard. When they do lose a family member, they have this question of, will they come back? Like, are, are they really dead? Like, when will I see them again? Because they don't know. Their brains are not made at this point to understand the finality of it. Yeah, I remember I was probably six years old, so kindergarten age, first grade age, when my grandfather passed away. And it seemed like after, you know, I was really confused about how all of that worked. The only thing I'd lost was like a goldfish, you know, how does that work? But then I remember after that, I would see people that looked just like my grandfather, at least to me. And that kind of brought on a whole new host of emotions. And I remember one time asking my mom, well, when we lost him, did he just kind of go away? And now he's living a different life where we don't know him? Because I keep seeing people that look like him within. And and as you said, three years ago, kids might not have looked at it that way. But with COVID now, how do we even approach the thought of, they're gone, but it's due to this horrible, awful disease that we still don't even know a whole lot about. Right. And death and loss are so visible now for our kids because they're, you know, parents are watching COVID on the news. They wonder why they can't go to school this day because they sat by somebody. So we have historically protected our babies from loss and death. Now they are being faced with it full on. And there is that question of, well, wait, my grandpa drives this car and I just saw him. Maybe he's coming back. It also brings, because like you said, we don't know all of the details about how to stay safe from COVID and about COVID in general, it brings a sense of guilt 
on kids that I have not witnessed before. Grownups, we tend to feel guilty, even though it's irrational. We tend to think I should have done this. I should have said this. Maybe if I would have contacted this doctor, there would be a different outcome. That's a typical emotion. That's something that grownups expect, but we don't expect it from kids. And kids feel that now. They want someone to blame. And whether it be the doctors, their parents, or themselves, they want to know why their family member was okay three days ago, and now they're dead. And that's such a hard pill to swallow. Kids and even grownups, we expect death to be a gradual process, but it's actually can be very quick. And our kids don't expect that. You know, three years ago, when they would have a family member pass, Often it would be after a long battle with cancer and they would somewhat be mentally prepared that my family member is feeling ill. Now it's not that way. It's one minute someone can be fine and then the next minute they're not. And that is a really hard thing for our babies to understand. Um, And so they do take on some of that guilt themselves. Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have hugged my grandma. Maybe that's what did it. And trying to explain irrational thoughts to a kindergartner is pretty close to impossible. (laughs) Sure. And it's hard for adults to weigh that, you know, even us grownups, we get these irrational thoughts that flood our head and we have to take a minute, breathe and correct those and let ourselves know, wait, that's not possible. You know, so to expect five, six and seven year olds to process death and COVID is very difficult. Their brains just are not made for it. And understanding the finality, like where did they go? Did they just have another life? A lot of that comes from faith. And of course, being a public school counselor, I don't discuss my personal faith. But a large majority of our kids are raised in homes of faith. And so they come to me and they say, well, You know, my mom says that my dad loved Jesus. So when he died, he went to live with Jesus. So they have this hope, but then it's like, but wait, where is Jesus? Kind of like, is that in Maumel? Where is that? Like they want to know a location. And again, I am very limited in what I can say regarding that. So a lot of what I say is just, that's something you need to speak to your mom about. Or, But we do see a lot of our kids with this hope in eternal and It doesn't fix the problem. It doesn't fix their grief. It doesn't fix their stress or anxiety, but it does allow them to have hope and it allows them to see their family having hope. But then it does create questions like, well, where is heaven? Like geographically, how do we get there? Can I call heaven? Because they can call their family member in Germany. Can't they call heaven? And so a lot of our kids do have that faith in hope everlasting and life everlasting, which I do think grounds them and gives them some help, but it also creates more questions. Life and death is just very abstract. It's an abstract concept and high schoolers may have a better time dealing with it, but our babies don't. Yeah. You had mentioned uh, the children in COVID have kind of lost structure. And we both know that kids strive on structure and boundaries. Recently, I guess it was sometime this week, the governor said that he was going to remove, I think it was contact tracing, that there was no longer going to do that. But he left it up to the school districts as to how they wanted to proceed with certain restrictions and precautions. How has that 
affected the children in that some parents agree that this should be happening, other parents disagree that this should be happening. Have those opinions followed the kids into the school system? No, not in elementary. We have not been able to require masks this year and or at least recently. And we have kids that wear masks, kids that don't wear masks. And there are no conversations around that in elementary other than, you know, we as educators in my school say you do what your grown up tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Your grown up wants you to wear masks, great. Your grown up doesn't want you to, great. Your grown up wants you to wear Velcro shoes, do it. Your grown up doesn't, you know. So in elementary, kids know that their adult that they live with, their grown up, I tend not to say parent because often our babies don't live with a parent. Mm-hmm. So you do what your grown up tells you to do, and they know that that's the authority. And as long as it fits within the school building and is an appropriate choice, you can do that in school. So I don't feel like parent opinions have been brought into school. Kids that wear a mask don't at my school in elementary. We are pre-K five. They just wear their mask. Kids that don't wear masks, they don't wear masks. There's not a discussion around it. I'm sure in middle and high school, that is probably a problem. But in elementary, kids have been taught for so long that, you know, diversity. Families believe different things. You know, some families celebrate this holiday. Some don't. Some families want you to, won't let you wear makeup in fifth grade. Some families do let you wear makeup in fifth grade. So kids are used to the diversity of families and culture. And that has not came up with our babies, thankfully. Yeah. I I know where, where Luke, my son goes to school at Lakewood. They do require you to wear a mask. Okay. And then he goes to Aftercare Express at the, the Methodist church right beside the school. They require a mask. I know for myself, for instance, my mother was in rehab and I talked to her therapist regularly. Uh, I saw him regularly with a mask. And then when I saw him in public one time, he came up to me and asked me how my mom was doing. And I'm going, who in the world are you? Because I'd never seen him without a mask. Yeah. And he looked much different than what I thought he would look without one. So when we get into this issue of interpersonal relationships, how are we affecting the mental health of children when it comes to we don't really know each other because we have to stay six foot apart or uh, I can't come to school for two weeks or my mom or dad has pulled me out of school this year and we're doing virtual only. In your opinion, how does that affect growth and development within mental health? Socially, our kids are behind nationwide because, and and I don't personally believe that has anything to do with the mask. I believe it has to do with social distancing because I can still play play Play-Doh with somebody if I'm wearing a mask. The fact is that when COVID first happened and we all were sent home and anxieties were high and you were told, oh, don't share Play-Doh, don't share crayons. Well, we have preached to our babies for years, share your crayons. That's what good humans do. Good people see, oh, my friend needs a purple crayon. I'm going to share it. Well, then COVID hit and kids are like, let me share my purple crayon. And grownups are like, no, you could get COVID from sharing a purple crayon. Don't ever do that. So kids are confused. Do I share my purple crayon or do I not? And I know that sounds like such a trivial 
a trivial problem, but it's not. Kids don't know if they're supposed to help anymore or if they're not. We have always taught our kids that good people help, that good people share. That's how you're, you know, yes, good people make bad choices, but you make all these wonderful choices like sharing your purple crayon, or you see that your friend can't tie their shoes. So you go over and tie their shoe. When COVID hit, it was like, no, don't tie people's shoes. Don't touch other people's stuff. Don't get that close to them. So the social skills have been lost and kids are confused on when do I help? When do I not help? And we still try and provide this environment of helping others and loving others. But you have to do that within reason. Now, I get it. We're all wanting our babies to be safe. The guidelines are not clear, but it has definitely caused our students to not understand play and not understand those basic social skills of getting along and being a good human. And especially the kids that have had to be quarantined or have had to do virtual learning. And my child did for a while too. So I completely understand a parent's choice in um, making that decision, but they've been isolated from kids for so long. Google Meets and Zoom are phenomenal for instruction, but you can't really be social on a Google Meet or a Zoom. So I definitely think our social skills have been really negatively affected. With that being said, I do see a lot more empathy from kids. So even though we are not knowing when to share our crayons and if someone gets too close to us, we panic at times. Yes, we've lost a lot of social skills, but our kids have so much more empathy and compassion now than they did three years ago. And I believe it is because loss and death and grief are thrown at them. They don't have a choice. We can't protect them from that. They know that their friend has missed two weeks of school because their dad passed away from COVID after being on a vent. They know these things. So the empathy and compassion they have is very touching that they are able to put themselves in other people's shoes and say, oh my gosh, that would be awful if that was me. I would feel so bad when this kid comes back to school, we need to play with him. But then there's that, well, how do we play with them? Because we don't want to be too close because, you know, do we play tag, touchless tag? What do we do? There's just a lot of confusion in how to be a good person, how to be a good kid and keep other people safe. Sure. And it changes every day. It does. I mean, literally changes every day. Well, Kelly, I, I appreciate you uh, being a guest here on on Doc Talks, and thank you for your your unique insight at, when it comes to our to our school kids. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you. And children are just so precious. They can be aggravating, but they are so precious, and we must protect them. They are the future, and we have to understand today that we have a very important job to protect them. To keep them safe, but in the same thing, teaching them empathy, teaching them to be kind people. There was a quote that once said, the future of our country is not in the White House. It's in your house. We have to train our children, train our families to do the right thing, to be the bigger person. And whether you do that with religion or whether you do that just on a basis of morals and standards that you uphold, and you consider to be true and right in your house. We must be the people that we want our children to be. They look at us, they see us, and, and they listen to us, whether we're really paying attention or not. And it's vital. 
it's vital for us to teach them the right things to do. There have been times where I have seen Luke do things that that makes me really proud that there wasn't any prompting. There wasn't anything that anyone asked him to do. He just did it. And he did it because he knew that it was right. When we look at children in the midst of a pandemic, it's very difficult, especially if you have been close to someone with a child or even a child that has passed due to COVID. And I want to think that we're doing the best that we can to protect them. And I want to think that one day we're going to be the other side of this. But I do know today that until we all come together and until we all put our differences aside, that not much is going to change. We have to work together. Just because you and I disagree does not mean that we can't be friends. Just because you and I disagree doesn't mean that I don't love you. Doesn't mean that I don't respect you. And we as a society have lost that simple fact that we can disagree and still love each other. So, regardless of how you feel, regardless of how you feel against your neighbor, we must love each other. We must work together for the better good. And when we do that, everything's going to work out. I want you to remember today you're loved, you're valued, you're needed but most of all, we're wanted. Thank you for listening to Doc Talks today. I'm Doc Brian. You can find me at thedocbrian.com. All of my social media links are there at the bottom of that page. And of course, Doc Talks is a part of the Be Frank Network. You can find all of our podcasts at befranknetwork.com. Thank you for listening today, and we will see you next week. Goodbye.